Wait, Jeremy, is this is this podcast? I'm seriously asking, is this podcast just you telling stories about being famous and having famous friends and doing like famous? Per- I'm seriously, is that what it is? What else is there? <laughs> seriously, I don't know. you tell me. This concept with pivot. You understand just how we live it. This for me is like rap religion. Open on beat because we got this guy. When it comes to this, y'all, I can get it hype. When it comes to this, y'all, calm has risen. How you living, huh? Yo, how you living, pivot? How You Live in Jay Piven, episode one. I feel like my entire life has led up to this moment. I know that's so dramatic, but I really do feel like all roads lead to this podcast. And I'm lucky enough to have my buddy Bill Dawes here, who is a uh, an actor and a stand-up, been on Broadway, been crushing it um, in many different arenas, is a jiu-jitsu practitioner, uh, should be a lot more famous, um, and and yet I celebrate you with the power of Christ. I'm Jewish. <laughs> Give it up for Bill Dawes. Hey, yes. Thank you very, very much, man. Yeah. You know, you're having me on and I, and I get it because you've had such such low level people like Mark Cuban on your show. Why right. wouldn't I be the next logical choice? Obviously. Well, anyway, he, what was that like? Because Mark Cuban is fascinating to me. I mean, he has the exact same bank account as you, yeah, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he is you know what was fascinating about that guy is I, I somehow realized how to relate to him, and he just then just opened up on every level and revealed like, you know, his old man. He comes from nothing, dirt poor. How he figured it out, gave us the, the keys to the kingdom, and I, I basically asked him, you know, what's your biggest regret? And he goes, No, man, I don't have any regrets. And then he goes, You know what? He goes. I could have been a major investor in Uber. And he goes, I blew it. And it, just for him to even reveal that's kind of amazing. And then he did reveal why, and it made sense. You know, a lot of legal issues, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, the guy's a billionaire. Yeah, he is his, his own NBA team and he's living the dream. But you know, even guys like that make mistakes. And that's one of the great things about this podcast. I feel so lucky. I just get to sit down with guys like you and learn from you and, and, and by learning, cause I'm so curious, everyone else gets to learn. And then selfishly, you know, they may think that I'm Ari Gold, but then they get a sense of who I am. So yeah, I get that. You're not Ari. I've known you for a while now. So I would definitely say you're not Ari Gold, but I have two questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First yeah. of all, then how did you get Ari Gold? And also there's got to be a little part of you. There's a little bit like Ari Gold hey, that you, you know, can latch on to. But by the way, it's so funny you say that. I can't tell you how many guys have the same look in their eyes that you do and ask that question. And, and you know, it's interesting. It's I, I'm both intrigued and really offended, to be, <laughs> no, to be honest with you. Because, listen, that was a very specific character. Um, what, I think one of the reasons that show worked so well is we were taking, we were very specifically taking from Mark Wahlberg's life. And yes, it's all fiction, but that was a jumping off place. In Mark Wahlberg's universe, there is an Ari Gold. It's, his name is Ari Emanuel. And he's, you know, probably one of the uh, most successful agents in the game. And uh, he and his team bought the UFC, you know, for $4 billion. I mean, there's, you know, he's, 
he's an he's an animal and he continues to grow there is a drama there is a need all these guys exist and we tried to get it right so i was trying to be as specific as possible our emmanuel was my agent you know unbeknownst to me i have been studying that character and doing like i've been a drama tour for years had no idea so i had enough images and information to really play this character and i knew that people were fascinated about the backstage life of Hollywood. So we got lucky. And up until that point, I didn't have a lot of luck in my career. And I got lucky because HBO wanted to be in business with Wahlberg and this was the show. So I got lucky. Um, but with, there are so many guys that want me to be Ari Gold. And, you know, I, 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 I guess I'm a, you know, listen, if I'm in traffic and someone <laughs> rear ends me, you know, at 120 miles an hour, and I get whiplash, I will come out of that car and you will see full Ari Gold. Yes. It'll be Ari Gold. You know, there there are parts of me that I have to just dig up, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not pretty at all. And I have to be the worst version of myself on command the moment they yell action and word for word perfect with these monologues and dig in. Um, and, un, you know, it was blissfully exhausting. You know what I mean? So, you know... The, I didn't take a take or a moment off. Everything was Russell Wilson um, was in the movie and, you know, brilliant quarterback for the Seahawks. And he said to me, he came to the set just to watch one day and I was honored. And he said, let me ask you a question. Each take, is it like regular season playoffs or the Super Bowl? And I go, oh, it's a Super Bowl every, every play. And he goes, man, it's the same with me. Now I'm trying to equate myself with an elite athlete. So <laughs> I look like a complete and utter charlatan and I get it. Um, but all, all that means is you give everything you possibly can at all moments. You don't phone it in and, and that's, that's how we got here. It's so funny. I wish I had like, you know, wacky prank stories. <laughs> I, 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 you know, and so anyway, uh, Rex Lee who played Lloyd Put a starfish in my underwear. You know, I mean, I wish. I wish, but it's like, bro, all I did was I had massive monologues, and Doug Ellen did a brilliant job, and I had to be word for word, and I had to make it look totally improvisational. So I had to walk in every day um, as if I had three weeks rehearsal and previews. This is the way I thought of it every, every week of Entourage. Um, I ran it, I ran it, I ran it like a play so that I could, you know, we're going in for rehearsal. I never wanted, we call them sides, you know, the script, we'd have them in a smaller form on the day. I never had them in my hand just because I've got to move. I've got to use the space. I've got to hit act. Acting is a momentum sport. And so I had to hit that stage every time I was doing entourage with momentum ready to this will sound so pretentious. Shakespeare has this great quote, the readiness is all. And it's true, man. You got to be, no matter how good you are, if you're not ready, it's a wrap. It's just a wrap. Now, didn't you, uh, so uh, I want to know about Rex Lee who played Lloyd. Yes. Because also when you're screaming at someone and saying the most By the way, horrible... here's another story that I shouldn't say. <laughs> and that it will either make it on and this entire show will be canceled and I'll have to go to a cave in Kabul and fucking knit. <sighs> um, so I had the great Rex Lee on my show who was, so, people don't even realize how good he was in that. First of all, he never broke. 
he stayed on. And I, I felt terrible. I would go to him before we would shoot and I would say, Rex, I'm going to say, <laughs> I just want to, you know that I'm going to say, you know, if you had so much cum squirted in your eyes that you can't see what's right in front of you, fucking Yoko, you know, are you, uh, he goes, of course I'm okay with it. What? It, give me a break, man. And you go back to like doing his, I'm okay with it. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I realized later in real life, I was Lloyd because <laughs> I, I would go to him sheepishly like, are you okay, brother? Like he knows I didn't write it, but I was always so invested in the character that I would come at him with everything I had. So I just, you know, wanted to make sure he was cool, you know, uh, with it all. And he just, he was such a team player. He didn't give a fuck. Let's go. He's this is what he signed up for. Yeah. And he was amazing. And and it's a tribute to him. He was supposed to come on for, you know, a couple episodes, but he was so good that they were like, are you kidding me? Look at the chemistry. It was kind of genius. You put the two people together that should never be together and you make them dependent upon each other. Yeah. And we knew it was gold, no pun intended, when, <laughs> when, um, when, Lloyd says to me, um, you have to promise me never to say anything homophobic or offensive to me again. And Ari goes, I, 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 I can't promise that. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was just totally fucking, you know, honest, but I'll, you know, I'll be as good to you as I possibly can, but I can't promise that. It was like, it was just so perfect. It was like, and, and, you know, so that was the whole relationship right there. Ari was an equal opportunity offender. It's interesting that, that Ari's become, you know, the poster child for douchebags. But the reality is that he was monogamous to his wife. He was so loyal to his client, you know? Yeah. I remember they asked me, I was on the red carpet one time and they, for an award show, and they said like, you know, Tom Cruise is kind of spinning out. Uh, if you were representing Tom Cruise, how would you handle this? I said, if Ari Gold was representing Tom Cruise, he would chain himself to a desk for that guy. You know, he is a prolific, hardworking earner, great, you know, he, that would be his guy. And I remember the next day I was sitting with my my mother and my aunt and the phone rings. I'll never forget it. And I pick up the phone and I, and I said, hello. And he goes, hey, it's Tom. And I was like, Pete, what's going on? He goes, no, it's Tom. I go, Tom who? He goes, Tom Cruise. I go, it's not Tom Cruise. He goes, yeah, it is. <laughs> and I was like, it's Tom Cruise. Is that, is that Pete? Is that you? And then I go, all right, all right, Tom. Uh, uh, when, 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 did, when did I see you? And he goes, I saw you. I was with Kanye. And I was like, because he was, they were promoting, Kanye had done the music for something, whatever. And he just goes, thank you. Thank you. I was like, you're welcome. What am I thanking you for? And he had seen that I, they had asked me about him. It was during the, when he was jumping on couches yeah. and doing his couch tour or something. I don't know what the tour was called, maybe called the couch tour. And um, they said, you know, what would you do if you represented Cruz? And I said, are you kidding, man? This guy is a legend. And if I was his representation, it was just really cool to, to get that call from him. And he just like some, if you're Tom Cruise, you just get numbers. I don't know how I got my number, but he got it. Wow. Yeah. So it was amazing. Don't go anywhere. How You Live in J-Piven will be right back after we pay some bills. Support for How You Live in J-Piven is brought to you by Manscaped. 
who's the best in below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. You heard that right. Manscaped just launched their fourth generational trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped. I'm one of them. With this exclusive offer to you, 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code PIVIN at manscaped.com. Now, here's the deal. I'm a hairy Jew, okay? And this thing trimmed me up. I went from Jason Alexander to Jason Statham. In one shoop, everybody wins. I kid you not. I am addicted to this stuff. Look, I'm just like you, you guys. I've been using these strange, you know, disposable razors and it's awkward and, and you cut yourself. So solve this problem. I, I'm single, I'm 200 years old. I wanna have a family. So this is a part of my daily ritual. Get 20% off with free shipping with the code PIVIN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use PIVIN, the code PIVIN. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that come in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. I got a buddy who, you know, he was addicted and he got on this stuff and he loved it and he turned me on to it. I love it. I love the taste. Guys, it's 2021. All right. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. What are you waiting for? This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. So it's simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Go to lucy.co and use promo code PIVIN to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code PIVIN at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code PIVIN. Before I played Ari Gold, I probably played 40 best friends in a row where I was playing the schlumpy plus one. You know, and I was that guy. I was typecast as schlumper, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, you play the guy with all the power with four page monologues and you're the go to guy for that. Yeah. Now, when you auditioned for the role, I imagine the process was like a long, arduous process of multiple callbacks. And were they already interested in you? Did you kind of, was it one of those things where, let me show them what they want. They don't know yet, and let me show them. That particular moment was an interesting turning point for me because, as I said, I was already well into a career, sure. even though maybe a lot of people didn't know me. But I was 40 movies into it, the lead in many series. And um, they knew me from movies like Old School and Gross Point Blank and Serendipity. PCU. And PCU and, and you know, a regular on Ellen and the Larry Sanders show. And and I even played George Costanza on Which is so crazy. I, I, I saw that, but I couldn't play. I mean, I have to rewatch it. This is Michael Barth. Another George. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Thanks for coming in. Everything all right? I just came from the podiatrist. Yeah, I got something wrong with my foot. I got a little gangrene. They're probably going to have to amputate. <laughs> Any questions? Uh, 
Yeah, well, what are we looking at here? I mean, is this guy like a real loser? No, not a loser. Uh, let's start with the second scene. You have it there? Yeah. Okay. A man gave me a you know, massage. <laughs> so? Uh, well, he, uh... He had his hands, you know, and uh, he was, uh... He was what? Well, he was, you know, he was touching and rubbing. <laughs> That's a massage. I think it moved. That Were you ever that heavy? You know, I have a very... I hold my weight in my face. Uh, I kind of look, you know, a couple pounds on me, and I just... Oh, okay. It's just not pretty. Uh, I just hold it all. I just look like a fucking out-of-work pumpkin head. It's just not... not Nobody wins. But, um, yeah, I... You know, Jason Alexander and I were not... You know, I... I just, I kind of entered into that role. I, the, the truth of the matter is, I was a regular on the Larry Sanders show. I was walking across the parking lot. Mark Hirschfeld, who, direct, who cast Seinfeld, saw me and said, would you audition to play George Costanza? I said, I'd love to, man. I'm on, you know, I'm on the show called Larry Sanders Show, and I'm a regular. He goes, just come on in. So I didn't have a TV. I was on TV, but didn't have a TV, which is kind of funny. Wow. Um, so I had no reference for, I'd never seen Seinfeld. Wow. So I auditioned based on my conversation with Jason in the parking lot and got the role. And they were like, oh my God, you must be such a huge fan of the show. And I was like, <laughs> like no. yes, I am. Yes, I I'd am. never seen it. Um, and it was great and it was fun. And those guys, it was very interesting because I was so dumb that I had no reference for them. And they all were very, they were just really cool to me. And they were the, yeah. Be they were the Beatles, but they were just all, you know, fun, down to earth, funny, cool guys. And yeah. I just had a great time with them. And what's, cause at that point that show was already pretty iconic, right? When they had yeah. that show with yeah. the show. So that must've been a big jump in your career to have that. You know, as again, I didn't have a TV and I didn't look like myself and no one knew it was me. Oh, wow. So it wasn't like the phone rang. Yeah. <laughs> so know? then Ari, so the Aria um, Gold audition came about just sort of just in the trades, your manager, agent, or was it more the people who knew you and was like, oh, this no. guy might be right. I knew Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Um, and we were, we, we, we were acquaintances um, and it was loosely based on his life. Um, but. You know, I think they knew me from uh, Doug Allen had seen Gross Point Blank mm -hmm. and he had seen, you know, some of the stuff I did and and um, but they'd never met me. And then I also Perry Reeves is a friend of mine and I and she was so brilliant in it. And I just said to her, wouldn't it be funny if you wore the pants in our very first scene? Um, I'm supposed to grab the keys from her and say there's a cab stand. And then I said, I, I said that. I don't remember what the street name was, but I added in Yucca just because it's a, you know, it's a funny line. So I just screamed Yucca. There's a cab stand at Yucca and, gra and grab, it's supposed to grab the keys from her. And I said, why don't you not let me grab the keys or you grab them from me and then you wear the pants and walk off and I have to just kind of follow you because I'm all bark and no bite. Ari, uh, could I have the car keys, please? There, come on. There's a cab stand at fucking Yucca. Give me the fucking keys. Drop me off. And Our, that defined the relationship for the rest of the series. It did. And she was great enough to crush it. And they were nice enough to allow me to, yeah. to uh, collaborate. So when getting the role, you just, it was one of the things you went in, you just prepared your ass off. When you did the audition, I guess the final screen test, did you feel like, oh, this is mine? I didn't do a screen test. You have to understand, this was one scene in a pilot. Okay. Oh, wow. This is not the lead of anything. So the pilot this, is only one scene with Ari Gold. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Okay. At Koi. Um, with E. 
And uh, so it was a tiny role, and I was lucky enough to be doing leads and producing TV shows. And my agent at the time said, you, why would you want to take a step backwards? And I go, because it's HBO, um, so you have freedom of language, mm -hmm. the, the pedigree of shows around it, Sopranos, Sex and yeah. City, you're, you were in great company. I know Mark, and he is fascinating and charismatic, and his crew is insane and funny, and yeah. Ari is, is a, is a character that if if we really mine that it's it's very fertile comedically you know you put your ego aside you know you're going to be billed last you're not going to make any money you're not going to have a trailer just forget about all that stuff yeah. and do the work and you know it paid off yeah and was it originally a recurring role it was a recurring role, but it was a quote-unquote fringe player, as they said. Mm. It's a fringe player. It's not one of the main guys. Wow. It's one scene. And, you know, but but then again, my entire life I've only had one scene. Yeah. So I came to the game knowing, okay, well, this is part of my background. You have to take these scraps and make a meal out yeah. of it. And When was the what moment where you realized as you were doing it? Because... I mean, in all honesty, I think there, if you look at the past 20 years of television, there's probably like 10 iconic roles where people will use the name of the character as like a verb or an adjective. Like, oh, he comes in like Kramer or, oh, you're getting all Dexter on me. And I would say Ari Gold is one of them. Maybe Walter White, Ari Gold, Dexter, Kramer. There's like four or five others that are sort of, it's a really iconic role. Where was the moment while you're doing it where you said, where you thought, Oh wait, this is something. This is going to be something. This is special, or um, this is. Well, I don't. There was never. It, it was at a time when everything was transitioning. Yeah. I remember the first season. Um, there wasn't really TiVo, so it was like <laughs> we everyone had to gather around the TV. The first season, it was just like we, it was really fun. With you know, people were like started words started getting out. Let's go to your house and check it out. And so you'd watch it in groups. And so there, you know, wasn't even social media or any of that stuff. Yeah. So I didn't really know the popularity of it, which is almost, it's better. Um, was the first season a, a huge hit right away or did it build? It built, it built. And, and the breakthrough moment was episode seven of season one where Busey and the beach, it's called Gary Busey. And I go, I, I pull up to Malibu and there's this tracking shot all the way through the house. This would be the part where if this was people were watching this, where you would cut to this scene. I'm going to take everyone, your B-level sitcom stars, your reality TV writers. When I'm done with you, you're going to be repping sideshow freaks. You need JoJo the dog-faced bitch boy? Call Josh Weinfuck, the lightweight pen-stealing fuckface. But anyway, so I, <laughs> I finally get to Josh Weinstein and I deliver this massive monologue to him and I drink his drink and throw it down and crush him and walk out because he's trying to steal my client. And um, it was one of those moments where it was the first time that they really let the character fly. Wow. And, and, and I knew that that was a nice breakthrough moment for the character. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. Um, so as far as the rest of it and thinking about it as an iconic character, my job was just every single take, every scene, just to, to dig in and just and go as hard as I possibly can. Yeah. 
then you play a character like Ari Gold and then you're mistaken for this guy. Sure. And I, you know, and that was an interesting journey. I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming at all. You know, my mom, she did. She said, you got to be careful. You're going to be in people's living rooms as this guy possibly for a while. And I was like, oh, mom, that's so stupid. Forget. No one's going to confuse me for the character. So she meant be careful, like in your personal life, people will treat you a certain way or just that there would be a misconception that that is maybe who I am. Yeah. And, you know, I've been called Ari in airports and coffee <laughs> and shops. You talk and, about your act too. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it, it, at first it was offensive simply because, you know, we're, we're, we're just different people. Yeah. And I, I, you don't want to be mistaken for another person's life when it's not your own. Yeah. And also someone who you don't necessarily align with sort mm. of morally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's been a very interesting journey. Yeah. And I get that. At the same time, you win three Emmys in a row, which has only been done by the great Brian Cranston, right? So at that point, we were, I mean, that's that's something sort of so big and beyond you and weird. And, and Hollywood at that point is probably so all over you. What did that look like, being in a place where you're like, okay, I'm in this rarefied air. D- did it make you go, um, d- was it just one of the things like, I'm just grateful? Or for you, like, I got to find a way to make this work for me uh, wh- what is the mentality there because I imagine that that's very very few people in the world will have experienced that well you have to understand like I was never the popular vote so I w- had never been you know on stage was nominated for stuff I'd never won anything yeah and um, I'm physically I'm not any type I'm not any age I'm this weird nebulous like you don't know what age I am are you like, Jewish are you it, Italian I, am are I good looking am I I'm not ugly but not Brad Pitt what you know what what is you know, there's never been a breakdown where it's like that's me ever you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean I'm just this weird nebulous form that has to create my own lane yeah and that's you know that's people should just know that that's okay yeah. and you can create your own lane and 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 have fun with it um so for me you know it was just very emotional when you hear your name get called it's like being shot out of a cannon and you're like and you get up there and it's just very surreal um and i thought about my father because he passed away before before you got yeah before i started before i started doing entourage and you know he was my acting teacher and and a brilliant actor director teacher and a force and you know people are like well isn't it sad that he didn't get a chance to see it and it's not about that i got to see him yeah you know i got to see all of his because his legacy lives on in you and that character that's that's very true and and i hope we don't start sobbing and and (laughs) summoning the power of oprah right now (laughs) yeah um but dude man i think that's i think it's incredible i know the last you won three in your and then you were nominated one more time and you didn't win. How did that feel? Was that just one of those things like, I can't win four? You know, I'm, I, I didn't think I'd ever win. So, um, you're like the guy who won Parasite. <laughs> like, what? what the fuck? I thought I was going to be drinking now. What oh my God. That's incredible. Don't go anywhere. How you live in J Pivot will be right back after we pay some bills. All right. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I, um, I have something terminal. I have a male pattern baldness. I inherited it from my father. Um, It's been documented. You know, I've been making movies since I was 18 years old. It's not pretty what's going on with me. Um, I would literally take Alec Baldwin's back hair and staple it to my forehead if he would let me. 
but there's a better alternative. It's called keeps. Okay. It's easy, affordable. I love it. You just, cause we're all looking, you know, guys are very self-conscious. I know I am. I've, I've been dealing with this tragedy for a long time. So keeps is look at this, you know, I'm holding it strong right now. I'm a, I'm a believer in the product. Uh, it's easy to use. Low cost treatments start at just $10 per month, $10 to save your hair. It's a no brainer, man. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Piven to receive your first month of treatments for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Piven to get your first month free. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Piven. What are you guys waiting for? Let's get back in the game, you bald fuck. <laughs> we all have one essential that we go to every summer. Mine's wine. And I don't know a lot about wine. Uh, so First Leaf is amazing because they curate the whole experience. They'll raise your game completely. So what you can do is you can you rate the wines so they can see what you're feeling and what you're liking. Then they curate a whole new batch of wines that are right for you. So it's, it's like you're on a fast track to figuring out what's really right for you. And if you don't have a reference for this stuff, that's what they do best. Uh, I actually have a buddy who bought it for his mom for a year subscription and she absolutely loved it. They make us look refined. You can even wear an ascot. Put your pinky out. I don't know. Award-winning wines are delivered to your door at 60% off retail. Yeah, you heard that right. Whether you're by the water, grilling with friends, or taking it easy at home, First Leaf is the perfect summer staple. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash piven. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleave.com slash Piven. Here we go, guys. No more wasting time. Over 20 years of bringing wonderful energy through the screen into your homes, and he's about to bring it to this stage right now. Please help me welcome Jeremy Piven, everyone. Thank you, sir. It's Jeremy Piven. That's a fictional character. Uh, Entourage was not a documentary. I'm a stage actor from Chicago. Uh, there is no Santa Claus. Okay. Just, there's a lot of confusion. I get it. Typecasting going on. What's that, buddy? The Billy Walsh script. Brother, you're you're not at home watching Netflix. I mean, you're you're in you're in public. This is this is actually happening. Come here, sir. I want you to touch me. Come here. See, look at that. This is happening. You're you're not at home. Yeah, it's not a Q and A. Shut the fuck up. Don't have me turn into fucking Ari Gold on you. Look at that. It's a disaster, you guys. This is what I'm talking about. This is the problem. I don't want to yell at strangers. I don't. But I will if you fuck up. I want to hear about the moment where you kind of, it clicked for you and you're like, this is something that I think I can do. Um, well, first of all, I'm very delusional and, <laughs> um, and it's, it really works in my favor. Yeah. Because 
I've been on stage since I was eight years old and grew up in a theater family and been doing it my whole life and love it and come from a theater community where we're, we all just are in it together and you have tons of rehearsals and you write each other notes before you open. And, you know, it's exactly like the stand-up community. Oh, wait, no. No. Um, <laughs> no, so that's, you know, that's my background. And I was lucky enough to do sketch comedy and I'm from Second City. And oh, I didn't know been, you did Second City. Yeah. How long so, did you do that for? Well, it was my first job out of college and did it for years. Wow. And, you know, then started my own theater company with Cusack called The New Criminals and, uh, you know, a bunch of movies, TVs, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward. But, you know, what's interesting is with stand-up, because of my background as an improvisational actor and a sketch comedy actor, yeah. um, it's, it's the same engine, different gear. And so for me, the moment it clicked was... I was doing some charity at the Laugh Factory with, with Russell Peters, and they said host with him. And I'm the thing that I am kind of smart about is I know my limitations. Yeah. And I know that he's a killer, and one of the things he does best is crowd work. Mm -hmm. And I have no crowd work experience, and I've no, I had no stand-up experience. So I was like, okay, well, I'm being set up. It's going to be great, and, the, and we'll have fun, well, you, and we'll raise money. you're being set up? <laughs> no, 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 what I'm saying is I'm being set up for disaster, yeah. not not intentionally yeah. by them. No, they, it was, you know, all in good fun. Um, but I, you know, I live in fear of mediocrity, and I just didn't feel like bombing in public. Yeah. It wasn't right for me, so I immediately thought, okay, Russell crushes. He's a killer. He's And he was before you. No, no, he would be hosting the evening with me. Got it. Okay. So I just know he knows how to work that crowd. And so what I did was I just went, okay, I just got to write some jokes and just have stuff in my back pocket. Because even though I'm an improviser, crowd work is something totally different. Oh, yeah. And um, so I just wrote some jokes and we're up there together. And it was terrifying because I'm used to a big stage. And the first thing I noticed, because my first time doing stand-up, the at first the thing la I... At the Laugh Factory. Laugh yeah. Factory. And the first thing I noticed was... The stage is so small, I feel hemmed in and caged, oh, and yeah. I'm panicking. Because w w when you're on stage as an actor, there's all this room to move, and you're making crosses, and and I was just, you're in it. Yeah. You know, and so that was terrifying. And, you know, I wasn't alone, because Russell's with me, but he's just going in on the crowd and crushing it. And even though I'm improvisational and have decades of... of a, a reference for the stage, it's a totally different totally piece. Different. Now, are you on stage with him at the same time? At the same time. Oh, wow. And he's including me that's in... That's a small stage for two people. Tiny. Yeah. And there are toys on stage with us, because toys for Todd's. Uh, yeah. You know, so there was no room. And so I just went, and he threw it to me in an awkward moment after he had just slayed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he has no fear. Yeah. And... You know, he wanted me to transition into something, and I just went, let me just try this joke. And I kind of tried it, and it got a laugh. And I'm sure you remember the first time that happened for you. And I just got hooked. I was like, wait a minute. What was the joke? My first instinct was, get up there and be very self-deprecating. It's for kids. Okay. Okay, do a bit about um, Make-A-Wish Kids and that some kid's last wish was to not see me and he wanted to not see me and I showed up anyway and just you know be self-deprecating and fun and have it be appropriate to the night yeah and I got some laughs and I was like this Whoa. is it's so it was so addictive of course I was like wait a minute so you can be alone because when I'm improvising in, in a film and TV there's no audience and there's mm -hmm. no feedback and and I'm always rewriting and trying to get my work in. So, you know, yes, I'm new to stand up, but at the same time, I've been writing either on my feet as a improvisational actor, sketch comic guy, 
or as an actor that's 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 finessing his dialogue and rewriting. So I'm kind of like all roads lead to stand up and away from yeah. me, which is fun. Now, did you have that joke sort of locked and loaded, or did it just come to you on the stage at the time? I had it locked and loaded. I had some jokes locked and loaded. And my point is, because I did and they worked, it was just inspiring to me. Like you, you need to you need to get after this. Yeah, because it's really fun, and it's. You know, I've been lucky enough to do all different forms of performing and stand up as the last one that I haven't tried and the most terrifying, obviously. Yeah. And so I just had to throw myself into it. And I knew if I didn't hit the road every single week yeah. and get five shows in a weekend and then do shows locally every week and get up at the dime and, and bomb mm -hmm. and grind in, in you know these tiny little places, I'm never going to be it's never going to be good. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much, even though I had decades of, of experience on stage as an actor, it, you, you know, I had to work my ass off and will continue to. As I'm leaving Vegas, I get on a plane and I hear this voice, right? I get on a plane and I go, there's no way, could that be? And I hear a voice from my, from my childhood and it's Stallone and I'm such a huge fan. So I walk up to him and I go, excuse me, Mr. Stallone, I just have to tell you I'm such a big fan. He grabs a hold of me with that old man strength. <laughs> you know, that kind of first generation Italian American meat beater just wrapped around you. And I was like, what the fuck? Why? Why? I think he just snorted a big line of creatine. You know when like, you know when dudes are just on something and they're just red and vascular and glistening? He's ripped like an anatomy chart. He's 71 years old. Something's a little off. You know what I mean? No one's that ripped at 71. And this is what he said. The newspapers are all saying that I use a penis pump. You know when you hear something and you're like, you know, it takes you a minute and you're like, that's, I want to hear that. And, but I, there's no way that that, my man didn't just say that. So I, did I take mushrooms? What's happening? I said, so I said to him, I said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Swallow. Can you just say it one more time? Cause I, I think I came in at the wrong time. Cause I thought I'll get him to give him another chance. He goes, the newspapers are all saying that I use a penis pump. Every time I see a Stallone movie, you guys, it's ruined. Right? You see Rocky, it's a classic. Remember when he takes Adrian up to his apartment? You ever been to a man's apartment before? Those are my turtles, Cuff and Link. And that, that's, that's not my penis pump. Did he just? I, I can't even watch one of his movies. Your party! Your sister's with me. I'll call you back later. He's sitting over that penis pump. Every one of his movies, they drew first blood on my penis bone. 
I've seen a lot of your work, and it's amazing that you have been able to create, and you talk about this in your act, you've been able to create a meal out of a snack. Like, I remember you in Rush Hour 2. I remember how great you were and how you totally stole that scene, and it was a cameo. I mean, it was originally just a cameo. It wasn't even a cameo. My only line was, may I help you? <laughs> and literally, it, if you were to look up that script and... You know, it's your job as an actor, the only way you eat um, is to, like I said, I'm delusional. I would play every character like I'm the lead in the movie. So even though my line is, may I help you, I'm the lead. Okay, who is this person? You know, what's their backstory? Who are these people? Who, who are, you know, who are the people in the scene to you? What are your fears? All this kind of stuff. And then just start writing out monologues. And then on the day, you know, maybe the it's going to be a little awkward. And they're like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. Why is he just you know, improvising an entire monologue. Let's start with you, shall we? You got the mochaccino face, wonderful skin, and the big broad shoulders, okay? Let's put a dead animal on you. Croc skin, buttercream, buttercream, croc skin, buttercream. What size is the waist? Let's go in. I wanna- Hey! Watch his sweetness. He's got some fire to him. Honey cups. I like that. And then when they're in the editing room, if they need it or if it works, then you've suddenly taken your one little moment yeah. and you've explored and heightened it into like a nice little role. And I did 40 movies like that wow. before Entourage. And then I won the Fresh Face of the Year Award at 37. And when I was accepting my award, I said, there's nothing fresh about my face, <laughs> but thank you. Um, and I was a 37-year-old overnight success. Yeah, so you know, we, you never know. You know when yeah. you're, you're you have to create your own shots, and no role should be beneath you. And and for me, I would just get on a set. It's like tiny role, but you get to be with Morgan Freeman or yeah, you know, uh, any of Dustin Hoffman or any of my De Niro, Pacino, any of these guys that I've worked with. Just like get on set with them, yeah, even if it's a tiny role, and just be a part of it. But I think there's a lot of actors who have that same philosophy of like, hey, I've got to make something of this. And the directors are like, what the fuck are you doing? It's not about... So yeah. you obviously have enough charisma and skill that you're able to do it in a way that is palatable. And the directors go, oh, this guy's got some because all your well, training, I'm guessing. Well, in that particular case, um, the director kind of knew that I was an improvisational actor and he hired me. Had you worked with him before? Yeah, I had done The Family Man with Nick Cage with him and stuff. So, yeah, I had some history. But, yeah, it's, there's going to be some awkward moments where they're like, why is this day player chewing up the scenery? Um, and you have to take that risk. How do you finesse you know? it? The first take? Or do you wait for, like, hey, can I do No, no, take? no, no. You wait till they're completely they happy stuff. with the scene as and written. And you request, hey, can I try something? Yeah, there's so many different ways to do it, believe me. Um, and I've tried every single one of them. Calling them beforehand, you know. Um, oh, yeah. You know, pulling them aside before the scene, whatever. You know, every time is completely different. And that's one of the things that led me to stand up. It's like, be careful what you wish for. Like, I've been whispering in, in, in directors' ears and writers and, and begging and pleading to kind of finesse the dialogue and open it up. And then you know, there is no more freedom than stand-up. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's daunting, it's overwhelming, and it's so great, and it's all you. And you live or die by, you know, your thoughts, and, and you're directing yourself, and that's what's kind of so fascinating and amazing about it. 
to make a dumb sports analogy, it's the MMA of, of performance because you have to be ready for anything. And then you're listening to your sets and you're directing yourself. Yeah. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, to tighten that up. Wow, you punch that here. And then, so you're directing yourself and then you're writing and you're, you know, you're, you're a one-man band and it's really, really freeing and fun and as i said daunting and it's an honor and i you know i'm going to be going right from here to down to the um, laugh factory to, laugh, to get yeah. back on stage and just basically doing it every night god damn i'm blessed i'm so <laughs> blessed dude i'm so blessed wait why am i doing chris tucker when i should be doing <laughs> that shit was off the hook i gotta tell that story really quickly yeah yeah i'm walking down the street i get a call from ivan reitman Wow. Ivan Reitman, this guy directed Ghostbusters. Hello. Hi, Jeremy. Ivan sounds like a black guy doing a white guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeremy, yeah, we're doing a, how do you feel about doing a remake of Inspector Clouseau? I thought I was being punked. I was like, this is the greatest moment of my life. They finally get me. Yes, I am a comedic force. Yes, I will do it. Would you like to play Inspector Clouseau? Yes. I'll play Inspector Clouseau. Peter Sellers originated the greatest com comedic actor of all time. Yes. So he goes, great. Okay. So we're going to be doing a reading. I go, great. But we're going to be doing it for Chris Tucker. <laughs> exactly. That was the noise inside my head. I went, I'm sorry. I don't understand what that means. He goes, yeah, we're going to be getting, you're going to be reading Inspector Clouseau. We have uh, Ving Rhames. And he named all these brilliant actors. And I was like, I'm going to be playing. We're trying to get Chris Tucker to play Inspector Clouseau so you can read it for him, to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I, I was both intrigued and offended and confused all at the same time. And then I realized it was such a bad idea that I had to do it. <laughs> you ever have those moments? <laughs> like just to see what happens? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, let's do it. So I went and did it and I put everything I had, cause I'm so dumb that I, and I've done this, this has been my ideology my whole life as an actor. And I guess it's worked for me, you know, in certain cases, but I always think if I throw myself into this and I overachieve and do the best I possibly can, only good can come of it. Yeah. Well, here's how it blows up in your face. <laughs> I go and do it. I do the accent, you know, I'm playing Inspector Clouseau, Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames is there, you know Ving Rhames, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna get medieval on your ass. You know, you know him. Yeah, uh, and, um, that was good, Ving Rhames. Thank you. So I do the reading with Ving and all these amazing actors. Chris Tucker is there. At the very end, Chris Tucker, uh, you know, we do it for him, and Chris Tucker comes up to me and goes, that shit was off the hook, man. God damn. He goes, you must have studied acting. <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, man, I, I have, Chris. And, 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 and Ivan Reitman goes over. It was a big old spread of Jew food. I can say that. All Jew food, just bagels. It was like Willy Wonka and the Jew factory. It was just like <laughs> fucking just wall to wall, just bagels. And we were all just eating, and, 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 and Ivan goes up to me, and he goes, Chris, what do you think? Would you, would you like to join us? And, and Chris goes, no, that shit was dope. And he goes, no, but, and I'm not making this up. He goes, I got to go to Africa. I'm looking for some uh, Arabian horses. I got to go, but that shit was dope. Nice work, everybody. That shit was off the hook. And he just leaves. And we're all just standing there. <laughs> and that was it. They made him a $20 million offer. We all rehearsed. 
prepared and performed for him. Instead of him reading the script, we performed the script for him. Yeah, yeah. So that he could have a bite of a bagel, say it was off the hook, and it was a wrap. Wow, that must have been like the one or two years where he was at, like right after Friday, just like top of the game. Because that's a lot of power. It was, it was right after the first rush hour. Okay. Yeah. And then I was in the second rush hour with him. But I was playing the gay Versace salesman, and he didn't recognize me. He didn't me. recognize you. He didn't recognize me. <laughs> and it was just amazing to be working with him. And um, I remember we went to Cirque du Soleil after, together, like on a date. It was amazing. After we had filmed. <laughs> and we're watching Cirque du Soleil, and he goes, God damn. He goes, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed, dude. I'm so blessed. And everyone's looking at us. He just kept screaming, I'm blessed. It was amazing. I was like, hashtag blessed. Can we watch the show, please? I love you, Chris Tucker. You must have studied contortionism. Damn, you must have studied contortionism, dude. That was awesome. Wait, Jeremy, is this, is this podcast, I'm seriously asking, is this podcast just you telling stories about being famous and having famous friends and doing like famous, I'm seriously, is that what it is? What else is there? Seriously. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. What's Listen, the this podcast? This is an opportunity for me to celebrate myself. Got it. To take victory laps. <laughs> no, this is, this is, this is what's so fascinating is that I'm curious about stand up and, and athletes and every type of spirituality. And, and my, the, the net is that I cast is really wide. I could even, talk to an entrepreneur, you know, that has been, you know, crushing the game like Mark Cuban and get him to open up. And that's fascinating to me. Or a hip hop artist like Common that I suddenly like, you know, who I work with on a movie and it was amazing. And then I get on my drum kit and he's freestyling. And then we have our intro, by the way. I dig it. I'm blessed. I'm so <laughs> blessed, dude. I'm so blessed. God damn. Wow. There you have it, the first podcast down, uh, the first of many. I just am so excited for you guys to hear what's next. You never know what's going to happen. And that's what I love about this entire forum. Nothing is off the table, right? Let's flip some tables. Thank you to Bill Dawes, who has a, a podcast himself called The After Laugh. Thanks for listening. How You Live in Jay Piven is a cast original podcast in association with Common Enemy and Tenderfoot TV. Producer is Kyle Tequila. Executive producer for cast is John Spack. Executive producers for Tenderfoot TV are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Executive producers for Common Enemy are Jared Einson and Dave Osako. Catch all new episodes of How You Live in Jay Piven every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts.